Welcome to Season 2 of Lean Startup Company Podcast Series. I'm Heather McGough, co-founder of Lean Startup Company, where we share lean startup and modern management techniques to a growing community of entrepreneurs and corporate innovators. We produce webcasts, podcasts, original content, our annual Lean Startup Conference, and offer live and virtual training in the enterprise. Whether you're building a high-growth tech startup, a mobile app, a piece of hardware, working in a nonprofit, or a large bureaucratic organization, adopting Lean Startup methodology can help support continuous innovation and sustainable growth. Today's guest is Errol Arkelik, the Chief Executive Officer for M34 Capital. Before co-founding the company, Errol was the founding and leading program director for the NSF iCorp program. Errol is also the founder of USRCA, a nonprofit that focuses on entrepreneurial education for science and engineering graduates. Errol will be at the Lean Startup Conference this November to talk about how iCorp turns scientists into practitioners, i.e., getting technology out of the lab and into the marketplace, and how the Lean Startup method helps make that happen. Hey, Errol, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Heather. So I, I've got to be honest, I'm more than a little intimidated to uh, be interviewing you today because not only are you the CEO of M34, but you're the former lead program director of NSF, the National Science Foundation, which is America's biggest stage investor, as they've been called. You've worked with rocket scientists, and recently I found out that you're pretty much the person responsible for changing innovation and entrepreneurship for commercializing science in the U.S. So um, thanks again for being here with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's flattering that you say say such things. I was the program director who got the Innovation Corps program off the ground, uh, but there was a team effort at NSF, as I'm sure you can imagine. Of course. Well, let's start with learning a bit about the work that you did to get the I-Corps program off the ground. Can you explain for our audience what the I-Corps or Innovation Corps is and how did you get started? Well, the I-Corps program was started in 2011 at the National Science Foundation. And the the program was uh, basically a desire for us to, to put together some support and education and small investments to take projects that had previously been supported by NSF basic research and help the teams that had, uh, were working on the research projects identify whether or not there was a commercial opportunity. So the, the tagline was uh, basically helping teams uh, get across the what we call the, the ditch of death. Mm-hmm. And what gap does iCorp fill that other, say, VC firms or and angel investors do not? What differentiates them? Well, the projects that come out of an NSF research grant are usually deep technology projects, so new materials, new algorithms, new, <clears throat> new HVA systems, HVAC systems, all sorts of projects that have a very strong technical component to them. But they don't all have crisp and clear business models. And so the, the teams that are coming out of the research lab have, uh, they, they often lack the ability to articulate the business opportunity that's enabled by the innovation. And so uh, 
the, the projects that are coming out of the lab are usually backed by a couple hundred thousand dollars of the research, um, but the, the team doesn't necessarily know exactly what the value proposition is for those, pro for those uh, technologies and, and who the customer segments are. And so most angel and venture capitalists will only invest in projects where there's a very, very crisp description of the value proposition, the customer segment, the revenue model. And so what the Innovation Core does is try to help those researchers identify those critical elements so that they can go out and raise uh, private funding. Yeah, I was reading an article in Forbes, and uh, it said that the they really fill the gap where the market fails. In other words, uh, giving money to companies with the potential to commercialize technologies. So. Um, you know, we're talking about fields like biology and chemistry and manufacturing and information technology. Am I forgetting any? Oh, yeah. Every every technology that America has a position in, NSF mm -hmm. supports basic research in. So uh, economics, I mean, materials, I mentioned materials, biology, physics, uh, math, computer science, engineering. So, and it sounds like the NSF, they're willing to, to take the risk that some private investors maybe aren't. Is that what you're saying? Well, absolutely. So, the, the federal government is probably the biggest supporter of innovation research uh, in the world, the United States federal government. And the NSF leads the way with the really high-risk projects, projects that we don't know what the value are uh, at, the, at the very beginning, but often end up uh, changing the world. And uh, so NSF is a big proponent of technology-enabled uh, innovation. So let's switch gears a little bit. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, scientists and engineers are using lean startup methodology to focus their um, potential startups. How challenging was it to change the culture of engineers to think more like startups? Well, I mean, the, the way that we went about doing it is we basically used Use phraseology that the that engineers were and scientists were used to hearing, and you know the the history of the the lean uh, movement came out of the manufacturing uh, movement, and so when we started to use words like uh, around lean and like experimental and hypothesis driven and uh, quick quick iterations and pivots, those were all terms that the scientists and engineers grasped onto easily. Uh, the structure of uh, the, the lean movement was was actually pretty pretty easily absorbed. The process is a challenge. So getting out and talking to people and, and refining the the activity and, and quick doing quick iterations is not necessarily something that happens naturally to to scientists and engineers. But the the verbiage was actually it's absorbed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. How is it making a difference in the work that's being done? Can you maybe share a, a success story? Well, I think the most rewarding element of the uh, innovation core is there really there's two elements of really deep deep um, value. One, of course, is the teams that go out and take their technology out of the lab and, and build companies, and that that is a, a very uh, positive. Uh, and, and is first order effects of the innovation core. Uh, the innovation core was designed to help encourage 
the commercialization of technology previously supported by NSF, and that part's working. The other ancillary benefit, uh, but very important benefit, is the approach that researchers have to their ongoing research as they go back to the lab. So now the, the, the vernacular principal investigators, the people who've received support from NSF, have a new way of looking at their research and what they propose to the uh, NSF and to the other organizations that support basic research uh, in a way that is uh, empowered by the Lean Movement. And that's very exciting because it means that a lot of the, um, the forward-looking research is informed by uh, the, the uh, approach of customer discovery and the Lean uh, Movement across the board. Engineers, yeah, engineers aren't typically customer-facing. How did your teams approach customer development? Well, it's true that engineers typically aren't customer-facing scientists, <laughs> but when we convey to them that the the biggest risks that they face are uh, in in, the, in terms of commercialization aren't don't revolve around technology, but they revolve around customer segments, and they revolve around uh, product market fit. It it empowers them to to basically approach uh, the the discovery process in a new way. And so we, we say with a straight face, look, the, your challenge is going to be to get the product market fit correct, and the only way to do that is to go out and talk to the market. It's a pretty easy concept to grasp, uh, even for people who aren't typically uh, customer-facing. Mm -hmm. Were there any gaps you encountered in helping the team start and build and, and scale their businesses? Well, the, the first and foremost gap is, is being able to talk to customers in a way that is uh, really open-ended and allows the information to flow readily. A lot of people confuse uh, customer discovery with selling, and uh, a lot of people um, try to, to solve, solve problems uh, before they know what the problem is. And so those, those elements of uh, the, the lean approach were and are continue to be challenges for uh, teams that haven't uh, experienced experienced it before, and they're ongoing. I don't, I don't think there's anything secret about it. You, you just got to get out and do it. But uh, recognizing and anticipating that there is going to be a, uh, a communication challenge when you're going out is is the first is the first thing. Uh, with respect to those teams that end up uh, developing a um, a business opportunity, one that is uh, suitable for commercialization. There's a challenge in you know, aggregating the resources, bringing the resources to the table. <clears throat> There's also a challenge as those resources switch from a search uh, function to an execution function. And so those, those are the three primary um, issues associated with uh, you know, the, the, the friction. Why do you think some startups succeed and others fail when deploying lean startup method. What are some of the mistakes that cause an idea or business to fail, in your opinion? Well, I think um, the foremost, it's, it's, it's intellectual honesty. I mean, I think that a lot of people can um, take a, an idea out and convince themselves against all, against all the data that there is a, a business opportunity. And so I think foremost, it's 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 around uh, really identifying the the product market fit. 
And then if the product market fit is nailed, then there's a challenge associated with execution. And those challenges are real. I mean, they're, it, it's, it's hard to build a company. It's hard to aggregate the resources, accrue the resources, and lead teams. Uh, but I think by far the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge is the initial getting the product market fit uh, correct, and that's something that Lean does really well. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways to avoid those mistakes, would you say? Well, I think you you really have to identify uh, intellectual honesty as as the issue, and uh, empower the teams with a, a framework and a um, an ability to hear what they what they're listening to, and um, the that that's really the only way. Challenge them to um, to get the feedback and, and then uh, take the feedback for it face value. Uh, and I think that that's that's probably the most critical element. Yeah. So we over here at Lean Startup Company work with you know startups and small to medium sized businesses and enterprises and all different sectors. What can enterprise organizations learn from the iCorp experience? Well, I think the um, enterprises often try to get to scale too quickly. They they know that in order for an innovation to move the needle, it's got to be tens, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue to uh, to move the needle. And um, most innovations don't look like that to begin with. They look they look pretty small and pretty measly. And so I think that um, in in the sense of when when taking out the, the lean approach to the to the enterprise, um, you have to be able to to give them a, a framework to think about near-term, medium-term, and, and long-term innovation. And Lean works across all three of those. Um, and um, you have to sort of, I mean, there's different groups for each, each of those, right? So the operational group is the near-term. And then the, the R&D guys, the, the, the um, advanced research are the second and the, and the third group. And I think it's important for the enterprise to remember that not all of those types of innovations um, are housed within the same unit or even have the same people associated with them in, in metrics as well. Yeah. You know, so I was introduced to you uh, by Steve Blank, and I listened to an interview he did with you on Sirius Radio, and you guys kind of toward the end touched on the government, you know, deploying um, Lean Startup in different ways, you know, beyond uh, – you know what, what you've done with them, and we've been contacted by a couple different government agencies. And one of the things they mentioned was, you know, they have this brilliant team of, of people, dozens and dozens of people, but they um, struggle with uh, potential failure, right? And they come with, you know, to the table after they've spent a lot of time testing their ideas and making sure they're statistically significant. Uh, did you have anything to add for, you know, those folks listening who are uh, from different government agencies who maybe don't have this as part of the, the machine yet? Well, that's a great question. I think that, the, you know, there, there are government agencies that have long-term horizon perspectives, like the National Science Foundation, like DARPA, like NIH. And then there are government agencies that have that are facing of threats and challenges and opportunities that are tomorrow's. And I, and I think that the, 
it, it really does require a um, an inward face, inward facing uh, uh, organization. I mean, you have to be self-reflective to know exactly what you know whether you're trying to solve tomorrow's problems or or next year's opportunities, and um, and then structure the metrics in a way that are consistent with those those two different challenges. But some of the, the, the people that are uh, are, are faced with supporting operational issues for tomorrow's challenges are have a different set of goals and different set of metrics than the people that are looking over the horizon. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious how your working with the NSF translated into the work you're doing now with M34 Capital. And just, um, I, I was reading about M34 and uh, learned that it stands for Mach 34, which is the speed that an object needs to achieve to escape the gravi- gravitational pull of the Earth. Um, but M34, as I understand it, applies lean startups to the venture model. So um, first let's start out, though, with, with how your work translated into what you're doing now with, with your current company. Well, M34 is basically it's a venture firm that uh, comes in early, basically co-founds projects, with researchers, academic researchers, lab researchers, and helps build companies around uh, technical uh, technology-enabled opportunities. And uh, we use the, the lean approach that's core to our principle. Uh, everything that we do with Mach 34 and M34 Capital and, and try to uh, help support the, the teams uh, moving forward is, is evidence-based. And uh, we try to establish the uh, the unknowns and uh, in the business model and uh, affect those unknowns through an, uh, an approach that is totally based upon lean principles and hypothesis driven testing. Mm-hmm. Well, we have we have time for one more question. Uh, can you tell us? a little bit about what we can expect from your session at the Lean Startup Conference this November. I know you have a few guests joining you, right? Yeah, what we're going to try to do is bring a couple people to the table that have been instrumental in uh, deploying Lean across the academe, Uh, people that have uh, experienced uh, the challenges of of Lean in an academic culture, uh, as well as people and, and companies that have benefited from the lean approach to commercialization of basic research. So it's uh, my hope that what we'll get is a uh, ground truth from uh, people that have uh, taken lean into a very, um, typically a very conservative culture, academe, um, and help them uh, revitalize their support structure for getting stuff out of the lab. Well, Errol, I feel like this interview could probably go on another hour, so I think that you and I should probably check in in about six months to see what you're up to. But thank you so much for being here with us today, and um, we look forward to you having you at the conference this November. Heather, thank you very much, and I look forward to that interview in six months. Thanks to our guest, Errol Arkelich. I'm Heather McGough from Lean Startup Company. Our team looks forward to having you join us for upcoming podcasts and webcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Lean Startup, register for our flagship Lean Startup Conference, or follow our blog. Visit leanstartup.co for more information.